Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Jim Wang with me. Jim is the host of Microblogger. In 2005, Jim started a popular personal finance blog called Bargaineering that would later be valued at $3 million. Jim's mission is to show you how to build a business so you can live life on your own terms. Welcome. Thanks, George. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here, Jim. Uh, when you started uh, Bargaineering back in 2005, what were your, what were your goals with the site? That's, that's interesting. Back in 2005, I didn't really consider myself an entrepreneur or you know a business owner. And if you can remember back to that time, most blogs were like personal journals. And that's actually how I arrived at starting it. I just started working a couple of years before that. I you know you, when you get your first corporate job, you get that huge employee handbook. And especially you know if you're just out of college, you don't really understand about money management and 401ks and all these acronyms. I also worked in the defense industry, so there were even more acronyms on top of those acronyms. And so it was just kind of like a blur. And I thought, why don't I you know I was I did software. So I was familiar with, you know, coding and all that stuff. And I soon stumbled upon a WordPress installed and said, why don't I just start a journal where I would just write down my, my thoughts? And most of them revolved around personal finance. And so that's essentially how I started the site. It wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, I, had, I didn't have a business plan. I never thought that I would quit my job to run it full time. None of those things. So in that regard, I was actually exceptionally lucky. So it was kind of a hobby, and it wasn't even personal finance initially. It was just about your life or things yeah. that were happening to you. They they all had some some aspect of of money involved in it. Because I mean, someone so many of the things that you deal with in life involve money, and uh, it wasn't until later that I sort of focused it down on on money management and personal finance specifically. So. Let's say the first year, what what were happening with bargaining? I mean, what were you writing about? What were your thoughts about the whole thing? I mean, it sounds like it was kind of a hobby. It, you didn't really look at it as a business, but can you share that? Yeah, it was completely a hobby. It was mostly, you know, talking to other young professionals because I was a young professional, college graduates, just trying to figure out what to do with their money, trying to figure out how to save more, what budgeting was. I mean, I didn't budget before I got a real job. So that's basically what what the site talked about. And we go ahead, I'm sorry. And I didn't and I didn't approach it like a business. It's it's kind of funny, but when I look back, some of the things that I did were smart, but that I actually probably wouldn't have done if I was treating it like a business. Because I would spend a lot of time like networking and talking and emailing, most not not actually talking, but like instant messaging uh and emailing other bloggers. And like building up friendships and just just meeting people just for the sake of meeting them with no real objectives. And looking back, you know, had I done it differently, I probably would have been more precise in my networking or at least more organized. And I was, I guess I got lucky there again too. Okay. Uh, It's funny because I talk to a lot of bloggers that have, you know, achieved a lot of success and they're telling me the same thing, Uh, you know, networking, reaching out and making real connections with other bloggers. And it sounds like you were doing that, but you weren't really laser focused on the types of bloggers maybe that you reached out to. So you did some of the, like you said, you did some of the things right, but you weren't really that uh, proactive about it or strategic about it. It's so I'm a very analytical, like numbers driven, statistical type of person. So if I were doing it, if, if I were treating it like a business, I'd get a spreadsheet 
right? And I'd first, I'd find the people that I want to talk to and I'd put them all on a list. And I, you know, analyze what's the best way to reach out. Should I reach out on Facebook, Twitter, email? Should I, you know, go to an event that I know they're going to? And I'd just be a little more proactive is not the, the perfect term. I'd be more, I can't think of the term right now, but like exacting, like strategic, I would think. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. your goal when you're, Obviously, your goal in networking is to meet people and meet people that you can help and that can also help you. And I was just meeting people haphazardly. And when I think about it now, like that that type of being too precise and too calculating is can sometimes be bad because then when you're actually talking to someone and interacting with them, instead of being like a genuine person, like a nice person, in the back of your mind, if you have a very clear objective, there's – there might be a tendency, however unconscious, for you to sort of, you know, be the guy that when you're at the networking event, immediately pulling your business card and saying, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? Instead of being like a good person and actually getting to know them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. But, you know, I, I feel like in business, you have to be laser focused. You have to be strategic and constantly be thinking about your process and improving it. And so in that regard, I wasn't. And But, you know, when you're early on and you're just starting off, it's okay to not be super precise as long as you're still going in the right direction yeah it's funny because you know as long as you're early you know i mean you you were early 2005 is when blogging pretty much started i mean yeah there were other sites that had journals and things but that's very early in the process so as long as you're early you can make i don't want to say mistakes but you don't have to be that great (laughs) in marketing yourself i guess yeah yeah you Um, you can afford to make mistakes exactly and they won't cripple you yeah um so Let's talk about the point where you said you were very analytical. So were you even looking at things like um, shares or you know likes or or traffic uh, and comments and any of those things to see? Yeah, this is some going somewhere. Yeah. So back then, 2005, I to, I mean Facebook. Facebook was obviously around. But I think back then it was still relegated to you had to be, you know, graduate of a certain college and it was still kind of siloed. So social media, Twitter, I'm pretty sure Twitter did not exist or at least certainly mm-hmm. wasn't as. Uh, it was MySpace. 2005 was still more was, MySpace still, than the Facebook. And that was all like mostly music. I mean, when people were talking about it, they were like, you know, bands and and such were were leveraging that more often than than blogs. But I mean, so what we really cared about back in the day was just search traffic. Right, because that's essentially that was the biggest channel for you to get traffic was was through the search engines. So there's a lot of SEO and link building and you know analysis on that level. Okay, Oops. so so even the first year you already have done some SEO for your site or no, not really? No, 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 definitely not in the first year. It so at what point site. did you start to get more strategic about SEO? Once I started getting search traffic, so probably about a year later, once. See, back then, so much has happened in search, it, it can sometimes be difficult to remember. But back then, there was still that thought that there was the idea of a sandbox. Like the first year or nine months or however long it was, when you first started a site, back then, even if you were linked to and, and were getting crawled, Google just didn't give you as much credit because you were so new. That's That's kind of gone away. At least no one talks about it, but it's kind of gone away. So I think that first year I was sandboxed, and then it wasn't until the following year that search traffic really started picking up and was beating out referral traffic from other blogs that I started taking a closer eye towards search and trying to understand what all that meant. Because, I mean, when you think about SEO, at least in 2005, like 90% of the stuff 
was fixing like duplicate content. It was like e-commerce sites that, you know, had duplicate content because they were publishing from the same catalog of products and whatnot. And so WordPress out of the box did 90% of on-page SEO for you. And you didn't really have much else to do. And yeah. So you, yeah, I, I mean, I remember 2005, you could basically get a whole bunch of backlinks, even if it was junk, and you could yep. get thousands of visitors a day. You know, you didn't have to be a genius to, to get traffic back then. Yeah, meta, you know, the meta description tags were actually used. Like, you had to try to get into, what was it, uh, Open Directory, like Yahoo, yeah. and it was and, uh, DMOZ and... So I want to go and, and talk about what happened after the first year. But before we get there, if you started bargaineering today, how do you think you'd have to be different in terms of, you know, getting the word out and marketing yourself and, you know, even SEO? I mean, we talked about, you know, it's almost 10 years ago. Everything has changed. So what, what would you have to do today to get traction? I don't know what I would do today in terms of SEO. Uh, but what I to get traction and to get traffic, I would have I would go to social media, and just figure out where. See every niche or niche, however you, I don't know which way I'm supposed to say that word, but whatever niche you're either in, either way is fine. <laughs> I'm gonna go with niche because it sounds in my head better. But so each one has a different like there are different social media sites that work well for each. So if, obviously like Pinterest, if you're a food blog with gorgeous photos. Or any any type of blog with gorgeous photos, Pinterest is an incredible tool. You know, in some cases, Twitter is better than Facebook, and in other instances, Facebook's better than Twitter. So, I would go out, you know, try all the networks, build relationships with people that are using them, try to learn from them, and use social media. That's the the quickest, fastest way. Okay. Now, after about the first year. Um you know, it sounds like you started to get a little bit more serious about bargaining or not not that you weren't serious before, but maybe it started to look more like, you know, something that is gaining traction. So at what point did you look at bargaining as a business? When it started making a couple thousand dollars a month. And Actually, so, when, it, when it started making a couple hundred, I started thinking, huh, this is more than a hobby. This is something I could get a lot bigger. And I started reading a lot more online other blogs about internet marketing. And then once I made a few thousand, I saw a path forward where I could quit my job and actually do this as a business. So let's talk about the couple of hundred dollars because that's very important to me because a lot of businesses fail very early within the first couple of years. People give up and even a hundred dollars or even $10 is a big deal, I think, um, uh, initially just to get a pr proof that what you're doing is worth your time. So how much traffic did you have at that point? when you first started to make a little bit of money and how did you make money back then? So my traffic was probably maybe three, four, 500 uniques a day, which I mean, when I think about it, it still blew my mind that 500 people were visiting something that I was writing in the first place. So I was, I was thrilled and that resulted in a couple hundred bucks of earnings because I was making it off AdSense and that's, you know, pay per click and it's generally a few cents per click and finance is a little higher. I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, I would later on start other more hobby type of blogs, and the earnings there were much lower on a you know pay per click basis, which makes sense. I mean, personal finance. Uh, I th I think why a lot of people fail is because they don't see the path forward, right? They feel like they're doing if they're doing the same things over and over again, they're seeing no results, if they don't see a growth path, then it can become very frustrating and easy to give up on something. 
for me, I was still working a full-time job, so this was a hobby on the side. I didn't have the pressure of it having to make money. Like I didn't have to make money for me to continue to do it. I still enjoyed it. I was still learning. It was a very exciting time of, of growth and education, and I saw a path forward. I saw, okay, I put AdSense on. It's making a couple bucks a day. This is, uh, I mean, it's awesome. I'm not going to quit my job. I, I start learning about affiliate marketing and how instead of you know having someone going away for a dollar a click, they can go, maybe they apply for a credit card, I get $50 a click. Oh, now this starts getting interesting, and I see a way forward where I'm not just doing the same thing over and over again for $100 a month. That wouldn't be something I'd be interested in, and no business owner should stop themselves at that you know at that level. You don't think I make 100 bucks a month for the rest of my life, and this is a quote-unquote business. So I saw the path forward, and then you know, I just kept learning, and this is how you get more traffic. More traffic means more people are seeing and, it. And, they and so it. At, how, how, much, how many years were you into bargaineering when you started to make a few hundred dollars a day? I was about a few hundred dollars a day. Yeah, because it's three, four hundred dollars a day. You know, when you started to make some money with AdSense, because you started in 2005, right? So yep. at what point did you start making some money? You know, I'm not talking about thousands of dollars yet. I think or maybe it was, it was maybe like about two years in that I was making a few thousand a month. Okay. Like so, three, four, five. Yeah. That. that couple of years, that sounds pretty, you know, I've interviewed a lot of bloggers and the two-year mark is a very important mark. I mean, I, I'd love to actually, you know, dig deeper what happens in two years, but I don't know if it's, uh, it's just... Um, you know, you get links by then or you get some, some other, you know, content. You have enough content on the site or I don't yeah. know what it is, but the two-year mark is a very important mark. So about a couple of years into it, you start to make some money but not enough money to quit your job. So what were you doing then to, to grow bargaineering more? Was it just doing more of the same or did you also change some of your strategy? So there were two things that changed. One was I became more diligent and getting guest posts because that's back then, what would that be, 2007. That's when no one was really talking about guest posts as a link building methodology or approach. And it wasn't done on the scale that it is you know, today or a year ago because you, know, you just go to your other blogging friends and you just link back to your own articles with keywords and it would be very specific. And no one, no one thought it was bad because no one said it was bad. And that helped search tremendously. The other thing... I did was keyword research on the content production side. Right up until then, I I just wrote whatever I was interested in, whatever was happening in my life. Well, as I soon realized that each of the articles, each of the blog posts I was writing is essentially a seed, right? You you take a bunch of grass seeds, you go on your lawn, you throw all of them, right? You don't put one down and go to the next one and put another one down. You just throw as much seed as you can and the ones that grow, grow. And the ones that don't, no problem. You try to learn what went wrong. And so that's what I started doing with with blog posts is I would do keyword research and I would write articles that were specific to various keywords to try to get them to rank and then convert with various offers on those pages. And I would just pick different industries. So I started with credit, then went into banking, did credit scores, all these areas that I felt like I could be as a smaller site, be competitive. And I avoided areas that I didn't think I could be competitive. For example, for example, mortgages and insurance are two extremely competitive areas that I didn't think I could, you know, have any success in so i didn't i didn't do those but okay so do you think guest posting this year still um something viable uh, as a strategy 
I would not do it for link building. I would do it to gain a greater audience. What I do now is when I write a guest post, first of all, a lot of places will are now much more careful about who they like guest post. And so they'll also be careful about what you link to in the article. So no keyword rich, you know, money keyword rich links in posts. But I don't think doing that has much value anymore unless you're a huge brand. And this is one of like a couple thousand links that you're building. I instead, when I write an article, just have a byline link that goes back to my site that just says, Jim writes about, and in the case now with microblogger, I write about you know entrepreneurship and building a blog and building a business. So I said, if you want to read more tips about building your own business or building your own blog, sign up for his free newsletter. And the free newsletter is linked up or it says click here to sign up for the newsletter. And instead, it just goes back to a page, a landing page on microblogger that lets them sign up for a newsletter. And I don't want it for the link necessarily, like the link equity, so to speak. I want the people that are interested to come back and sign up. And so I can reach them again later with that guest post. So it's about audience growth and not search engine optimization. Okay. So then uh, a few years uh, into um, bargaining, actually, I, I meant to ask you, how long did it take for you to quit your job into bargaining? How many years from from 05? Three years. I quit in 2008. So in 2008, your, your site made enough money or more money than what you've been Earning, I guess, from from your job, and you said, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to take the plunge and I'm go all in." Yep. And did anything change at that point, or were you just really looking at your you know bargaining as a business and just be very strategic about all the content that you created and how you reached out and how you marketed your site? Yeah. So when I was quitting my job, the site had was making far more than my day job. And I was spending eight, nine, ten hours a day at my day job, which I enjoyed. The hardest part of quitting my job was that I enjoyed it. You know, you hear a lot of stories where people hate their jobs and they're always looking for a way out. And I was I was a special case where I was I was fine with my job. The people were good. I love working there. But it just didn't make any sense anymore. And to convince myself that quitting was the right choice, because it had done so well without me working on it full time that I thought, all right, I need to chart a path and figure out what am I going to do with this extra time and be, you know, how do I think about strategy and be smarter about it so that I'm not quitting a job just because I want to sit at home for more hours, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. And so, yeah, I became a lot more strategic and I charted out all the time that I was going to spend, how I was going to use it, how I was going to grow it and just have a path forward. Okay. And so by 2000, was it 2012 or 13 when the, the sale of your business uh, was completed? Um, to um, You said you're, you're actually, I read this online, that, <clears throat> excuse me, your business was uh, valued about $3 million with an additional mm -hmm. earn out of $500,000. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you seek out someone to sell uh, to sell to, or or did somebody someone seek out you? Seek you out. I'm sorry. Uh, so there was there was a period of consolidation in personal finance blogging, where there were these large corporations that bought up a bunch of personal finance sites. So I was just part of that sort of that wave. Okay, and. Uh, did they have to convince you to to sell, or did you think you really wanted to do this? You were ready for it, or they had to do a lot of convincing to to convince you to sell your your site? I think at the time I was ready. 
I mean, it's it's always tough to say because it's a it's like a good decision either way. It's like, you know, if someone offers you an X dollar amount for something, you, know, you can't. It's, it's never a bad thing. And I don't. I I thought it was a good process, and so I liked the end result. Okay. And after you sold, uh, did you take time off or did you immediately want to start something else? What, what was, uh, first of all, how did it feel to sell? Um, I mean, it, you did something that most people are unable to do to, to build a multi-million uh, dollar uh, blog. Uh, how did that feel? And then how long did it take you to you know, start something else? It was like half exciting, half sad. Because the thing that I had spent, you know, the better part of five years thinking about all the time and like being excited about and learning and all this, all this other good stuff was no longer mine. And so it was kind of a little sad in that way. Uh, in terms of starting new things, I wanted to start something new almost immediately. And I think once you get that bug, that entrepreneurial bug, and you have all these ideas and you just want to try to get the minimum viable product out there to see if it, it res- resonates, I, I wanted to start something the next day. I wanted to catch that like excitement back of waking up in the morning. And, and I mean, now I have kids, so the kids kind of replaced that, that excitement or at least temper it a little bit. But yeah, but back then... You know, you always want to you always want to be working on something, and you want it to be your something and not someone else's project, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and so, did you start Microblogger right uh, right after, or did you start something else? No. So, uh, well, I started Microblogger last year, so it was you know a short short while later. What's interesting is I actually registered Microblogger six months after I registered the bargaineering domain because I thought it'd be fun and I just never never did anything with it. So, but yeah, Microblogger was last year, so it was a couple of years before I started something new. Okay. And how are you building Microblogger differently from bargaineering? Or is, it, is the experience different at all? The experience is different because the tools that are available to you are different. Uh, I leverage social media far more than I did with bargaineering. Uh, I'm dabbling in podcasting, and that's been, that's been an extremely fun experience. Uh, I love I love talking to people. So when you emailed me and you asked me to come on, I thought, hey, this would be a lot of fun. And so, I mean, back then, 2005, no one was – very few people were podcasting. You know, the technology just wasn't t- – today, you use Skype. It's free. You have Call Recorder. That's also free. You just have to buy a mic, a decent microphone, and you're, you're off and running. A, a lot of the editing, audio editing software – comes out of the box if you're you know for free if you buy a mac so it's it's a wonderful tool and it's i mean if if you have a site and if you have a blog or any business really and you could start getting into podcasting i think you'd gain a big advantage yeah i mean i i agree i think any business even if you install blinds you know yeah. you could benefit from uh from a blog i would get into youtube i'd get into videos too i haven't because the i don't know i've haven't had enough time to really investigate it. But if you were installing blinds or you were a blind installer or you sold blinds, you could do all sorts of like tutorials and, and useful tools like that. That when someone searches for any any how to stuff, YouTube's always first or second. Yeah, and I think especially because, you know, in, in those areas like personal finance is a very crowded place. 
And it's crowded for a reason. There's a lot of money to be made in that area. But, you know, there's a lot of other areas that is very underserved when it comes to, you know, yeah. online online presence. So, you know, people like that, in those kinds of businesses, I think there are so many opportunities uh, today. Um, so let's talk about social media. What what channels are you are you utilizing for microblogger? Um, because obviously there's so many of them out there, and you can't focus on everything. So what works for you? I use uh, Facebook and Twitter. I, I'm not very good with social media because with bargaining, I didn't, I didn't use it a ton, and so I'm still learning it and understanding it. In Facebook, I'm trying to get involved in as many groups as I can that are sort of internet marketing, and and I'm, I'm doing it in a way. I'm not joining internet marketing groups or blogging groups. I'm joining groups that are you know, filled with a specific type of blogger, whether it's like a lifestyle blogger or deals blogger or writers or whatever, and going to those places because that's where you're going to find new people, like people that you didn't know already. You can't go to the same. If you go to an internet marketing group, it's going to be the same group of people as you. You want to try to branch out and meet meet different and, and new people. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, what are some of your goals for microblogger? I mean, it's, it's still very new. You know, you started mm-hmm. last year. Um, what 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 would be a successful microblogger to you? I, I think that changes all the time. And for me, it's I don't know. I haven't really thought about the super long term goals. I think a successful. I I'm always constantly trying to learn. And so sometimes I do things because I think they'll be fun and because it can be a good learning process. So, for example, starting the podcast and, you know, getting up to, I think it's up to 20, you know, in the high 20s, number of episodes, you know, thousands of downloads. It's it's reached. I don't, I don't know where it would be if I set a goal. Like, I don't know what number I would have picked because I don't have an informed way of picking, you know, number of downloads that I'd love to see. Obviously, a large number would be better than a small one, but. I've just been enjoying that process. And so I've been doing that. I want to put out some sort of product. So I send out a survey to the people in the newsletter, on my newsletter, to see what they would want me to produce. And so make a product, do the podcast, meet interesting people, and for the most part, have fun. I don't have any revenue targets for it because I feel like that. I never like to judge my progress based necessarily on this end goal especially not an end goal of how much revenue it's making, but I said like to look at the, the process that I'm going through and whether I'm learning and growing and getting better every day. And as long as I'm doing that, I feel like progress is being made. And so that's how I like to look at my goals. Yeah. What, what are you using to look at your downloads? Uh, what, what app are you using? It's uh, so all the podcasts are being uploaded to Libsyn okay. and they'll, they'll tell me how many downloads they get. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I have some general entrepreneurial questions uh, for you. Um, one of them has to do with the first 12 months in business because to me, you know, with Success Harbor, I'm very focused on, uh, you know, try to focus on the first couple of years of business because I, 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 it's so important and so many businesses fail. So what do you think what do you think is the most important thing for an entrepreneur during the first 12 months of being in business? What do you think that person should especially focus on? I firmly believe in the lean startup mentality. And so even before you open your doors or whatever you're doing, try to do whatever you can to prove out the model. And by that, you know, if you're, if you're 
selling blinds, right? Try to go door to door and sell blinds. Do the minimum you possibly could do to figure out whether or not you're cut out for that business. Because so many people, what happens is you get this idea in your head, like, and it sounds fun because you've never actually done it and, and you've never faced the challenges that the people that actually have done the work face every day. And so you have this romantic view of a business in your head and then you get into it and then you start putting money and that becomes a sunk cost, but you don't, you're not able to pull yourself away because you see the sunk cost and you keep pushing forward, forward, forward. Prime example is everyone, everyone thinks it's fun to own a bar or a restaurant, right? Because you, you think of like shows like Cheers or you know other things where you've always had fun at a bar. Why not have, it's like you're constantly throwing a party. But in reality, starting a restaurant or a bar is miserable if you ask anybody who's ever started a bar or a restaurant. And so it's trying to force yourself to get into the mentality of making those decisions and doing the work without having to put in the huge financial investment. That's what I think most entrepreneurs fail at. They, they don't actually make themselves go through the decision-making process. Okay. What do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? That's probably email and social media and surfing the web. It's distractions. It's going down, you know, chasing the next shiny thing. And being able to focus is is huge. And so to the extent that you can reduce the number of distractions and and you know, build yourself a work day where that doesn't happen as often. That's that's what I think is the biggest. If uh, if you had a friend or maybe someone in your family that currently had a job but saw your success as an entrepreneur, and and they say you know Jim I, I want to be successful help me, what would be the first thing you would teach that person? Huh, that's a good question. I would actually I would teach them how to implement that make you know that lean startup mentality of what's what's the idea that you want to do let's go through and and think about all the questions that you should be able to answer before you spend any money on it and it, you know it's not because you know my, my experience is extremely limited i started a blog right that did well in part because it started early certainly i i learned a lot through the process and could impart some wisdom about it but ultimately, I think just having a, a more analytical mind was the was the only thing that I brought to the table in terms of, of the, the success of the site. And so I think that's what I would try to offer a friend or family that said, hey, you know, I want to try to do what you did. I said, OK, we, let's sit down and let's just talk through what you want to do. And and then maybe for, out of that, we'll figure out, all right, these are the skills you need to learn. And I can't teach you because I probably don't have them. But. This is what you need to learn before you get started. That's 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 good advice. Um, I'm pretty sure you looked at my site, Success Harbor, and mm-hmm. uh, if you have any suggestion for me to to improve my site, I would appreciate uh, I w- would appreciate your thought. Uh, I don't I don't know anything off the top of my head. Okay, but I did what I did was I, I from what I remember because I looked at it last week when we were, were scheduling it, I remember thinking that the uh, you have a carousel at the top, right? Where it, uh, or it changes who you're... Well, your I do change it when uh, when I put a new inter- interview on. I do change that part. So so it's, it doesn't, it's not like a slideshow, but it does change right. at least a couple of times a week. Okay, but it's not always the latest one, right? 
it's it's always the latest one. Uh, and there are a couple of other lists. There's one list under it with some, some thumbnail photos of some previous interviews, and there are a longer list under it. Oh, what I was going to say. So I think what happened was I was scrolling through the, the various guests because I had seen someone that I knew, and I forgot, I forgot who it was. But I remember thinking that the, the one that you had at the top was sometimes someone new. And said sometimes it was one way in the past, like a month or so ago, or maybe not a month, but a couple pages back. I actually was going to say that's a good idea. That was a smart idea to not always have the the latest one at the very, very top and Mm -hmm. sort of cycle through just to give your your older podcast some more life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now I have so much content and I think a lot of bloggers have the opposite of a problem that you know they don't have enough is is that i am trying to actually you know i mean i'm 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 i want to make videos uh, you know i transcribe uh, i you know i i haven't done everything but you know it's there's just so much content there's only so much uh so much time to do it but you know just um I'm trying to come up with uh, many more creative ways of, of using that unique content that I generate here all the time. So anyway, I mean, I, I like to ask that of, of people that, that have success, such as you, uh, because, you know, I, I, I want to learn as well. So, so I, I do appreciate that. How can people connect with you or find out more about uh, Microblogger? Uh, they can come to microblogger.com. Uh, you can also reach me on Twitter. My handle is uh, at Wangerific. And you email me, jim at microblogger.com. I'd love to hear from everybody and happy to help out whenever I can. Well, thanks for coming on Success Harbor. And everyone, go and check microblogger.com out. And uh, hopefully you can come back maybe in a year or so and give us an update on microblogger, where you are and what what progress you've made. And I'm sure we can learn a lot more from you then too. Thank you. Uh, I'd love to know. Thank you, George.